feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, boy, is President Biden just in la-la land. He is out of touch because there he is overseas in Saudi Arabia meeting with the person he said he'd never meet and also begging for oil from Saudi Arabia where we in the United States have so much of it. Just open the spigots. It's like today, he didn't have to go all the way for Saudi Arabia to get oil and gas. All he had to do was fly down to Texas, maybe go to Alaska, go to a couple other places. They would love to be doing more. But, Mr. President, your wacky green energy policies are killing this country. And it's astounding because to see this president, what a hypocrite, because he was like, oh, I'm going to treat the Saudis like the, uh, remember the word pariah? Remember this when he said this during the debate in 2019? Take a listen. The CIA has concluded that the leader of Saudi Arabia directed the murder of U.S.-based journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The State Department also says the Saudi government is responsible for executing nonviolent offenders and for torture. President Trump has not punished senior Saudi leaders. Would you? Yes. And I said it at the time, Khashoggi was, in fact, murdered and dismembered. And I believe in the order of the crown prince. And I would make it very clear, we were not going to, in fact, sell more weapons to them. We were going to, in fact, make them pay the price and make them, in fact, the pariah that they are. And lo and behold, remember when the press repeated that to him, And he said, "Okay, I'm going over to Saudi Arabia, which he did, as we know today, very publicly from Israel. Well, remember, he was like, you know, last month he was like, oh, no, 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 I'm still not going over to meet. When the word got out that he was going over there, it was like, oh, I'm not going to be meeting at all with the Saudi crown prince. I'm not going to see him. It's like uh, as if he wasn't part of Saudi Arabia. Take a listen to what he said back in June. I'm not going to meet with. I'm not going to meet with MBS. I'm going to an international meeting. And he's going to be part of it, just like there were people part of the discussion today. Right. So what happens as soon as he gets to Saudi Arabia, the person who greets him is MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. And he comes and meets him with a fist bump. It was such a sight to see because here he is saying, you know, oh, yeah, I would never basically go there. It's a pariah state. Oh, they're the worst. Remember, that's how he treated them and said about them when he was running against President Trump. And now President Biden's oil and gas policies have been so abysmal that he is walking around the world with a tin cup and saying, please help me like Oliver, please Please, please, sir, please. I mean, it is really embarrassing and it's really sad because what a contrast it is to watching him today and the way he has handled foreign policy, even when he was over in Israel. 
you know, he seemed like to be lost half the time. He was sticking out his hand half the time and he didn't know uh, if there was somebody on the other side of it. It was like handshaking the air like he did in the past. He was fumbling over words. He didn't look like he knew where he was going and what direction he was heading in. It was really, really meandering. And same thing when he gets, sure enough, to Saudi Arabia. As soon as he gets out, there's the crown prince meeting him. And, of course, President Biden said, oh, you know, uh, eventually when it got out that he would somehow meet him, that, well, I'm not going to be shaking his hand. We're not shaking hands because of COVID. Meanwhile, there's all these pictures of him shaking hands, glad-handing all over the world. You think he had like 30 hands. He's like handshaking left and right. In Israel, he sees, you know, Netanyahu is handshaking. He's handshaking here. But as soon as it comes to the crown prince, he brings out the old fist bump. And in a way, I think it actually looked worse, guys. What did you think? Because when I saw it, I thought it looked more like buddies. Like, you know, you kind of fist bump a buddy when you see him in the hallway. Maybe you see a colleague in the hallway and you're like, hey, bud, how you doing? I mean, do you think the fist bump versus a handshake better than bowing, which Obama did, remember? But still, do you think a fist bump? really like diminish any sort of relationship that they had if anything it looked a little more chummy it looked a little more like hey bud how you doing and they sure seem pretty collegial and then of course it comes time for the press conference today and the press was not allowed in in a regular situation they were allowed in but they weren't allowed to have their boom mic the boom mic is like the big mic that, like, you know, it's on a stick, and you can kind of get over there, and that way you can also listen, too. They usually often, when these meetings take place with world leaders, a lot of times they let the press come in and listen with the boom mic, and you can hear basically everything all sides are saying because it really picks up the room. It's like, you know, you just put it from an extension cord, you hear it really well. Well, no boom mics were allowed, which was interesting. And when they did get in, the press, they asked a certain question to Mohammed bin Salman. He didn't like it when they asked about Khashoggi, of course, which was a horrible situation, uh, the dismembering um, by Saudis. And the Saudi government claims that they didn't know anything about it. That's what they say, even though the CIA says something very different. Uh, but they were talking, of course, about Khashoggi. And the first thing they asked President Biden was, his pariah statement, basically, do you look like a hypocrite? Listen to what he said. President, you regret calling uh, uh, the Saudis a pariah? I don't regret campaign? anything I said. Did the do you still feel that way, though, Mr. President? I just answered your question. Do I regret it? I don't regret anything that I said. What happened to Khashoggi was outrageous. And so then the obvious question, did you bring it up? Because he makes it sound like, oh, boy, I'm going to really take them to the woodshed on human rights. And this is how President Biden paraphrased his discussion. He said that the first thing he did was bring up Khashoggi and he talked about it. And then it sounds like he moved on like two seconds later. But take a listen. What was the crown prince's response to your comments about Khashoggi? He basically said that he... uh he, he was not personally responsible for it. I, I indicated I thought he was. He said he was not personally responsible for it, and he took action against those who were responsible. And, uh, and we, uh, then I went on to talk more about how that uh, dealing with uh, any op- opposition to the or criticism of the Saudi administration uh, in other countries was viewed as, to me, a violation of human rights. 
Does that sound very forceful to you? It doesn't sound very forceful to me whatsoever. I mean, that seems like pretty lame. It's like, oh, I kind of brought it up and he kind of said this and I kind of said that. It's like, does anybody think that there was any fire in that statement? And in fact, I want to play cut number nine because then a reporter asked, hey, listen, there was a comment that came out from Khashoggi's widow. Take a listen to this one. We just heard from Jamal Khashoggi's wife who said, after this visit, the blood of MBS's next victim is on your hands. What do you say to Mrs. Khashoggi? I'm sorry she feels that way. I was straightforward back then. I was straightforward today. What I This is a meeting. Not I didn't come here to meet with the Crown Prince. I came here to meet with the GCC and nine nations to deal with the security and, and uh, the needs of, of the free world, and particularly the United States and not leave a vacuum here, which was happening as it has in other parts of the world. Yeah, and part of the reason there's a vacuum, Mr. President, is because you have messed up energy independence in the United States. He never admits to that. It's like everybody's fault. And, in fact, today he blamed gas station owners. We're going to talk about that. It's like it's always someone else's fault, not Biden's policy that has put us in this horrible situation. And then... He had this after he was talking about, oh, I really mentioned it to him. Does anybody believe that he mentioned it with any sense of force? I mean, even when he was recounting it publicly, sometimes, you know, they're kind of more docile and private. And then they're more, you know, a little more direct or try to sound like they're tough guys in public. He doesn't even sound like he's a tough guy in public. Sounds like he's like a weeping willow in public. And then he said, oh, yeah, I was tough with him. Just like I was with China. And I laughed out loud when I heard this one. Take a listen. You've heard me say before, and when I criticize Xi Jinping for slave labor and what they're doing in the Western mountains of, of China, and he said I had no right to criticize China. And I said, look, I am president of the United States of America. For the United States president to remain silent on a clear violation of human rights is totally inconsistent with who we are, what we are, and what we would do, what we believe. And so I'm not going to remain silent. Can I predict anything is going to happen, let alone here, let alone any other part of the world? No. But I don't know why you're all so surprised the way I react. No one's ever wondered that I mean what I say. The question is I sometimes say all that I mean. Wow. Like as if he's like some fiery threat to uh, the world and the world is trembling. I'm sure the crown prince was like, uh, yeah, okay, I heard your complaint. Next one, you know, and it probably wasn't even a complaint. It was like, uh, Jamal Khashoggi. <clears throat> okay, anyway, now let's move on. You know, speaking under his breath. I mean, that's the way he sounds like he did it publicly. Why do we have any faith he did anything privately whatsoever? In fact, when he brought up China, it reminded me, everybody, of during that discussion that he had with China. Remember when he had the conversation with the Chinese president? Here's his opportunity to speak with him, like one of the first times after the huge COVID outbreak and after all these reports about leaks and potential to the Wuhan lab. He never brought it up. He didn't even bring up coronavirus when he was speaking with him. Are you kidding me? At the height of the coronavirus, he was afraid to take China to task in any shape or form or even ask about it. Apparently, according to transcripts, it didn't even come up. And so we're to believe that even if he did bring up Khashoggi, 
it was like he said it in a sentence, like, uh, I'll uh, have a tamale. I mean, a Khashoggi. I mean, uh, anyway, next. Like, does it sound like he really had any force and really had any guts with these people? Uh Uh-uh, I don't think so. And meanwhile, what a hypocrite, because he said, oh, it's such a pariah state and slammed President Trump for going over there. Because, of course, remember, President Trump went over there. It was his first overseas trip. And he was with them. Bush was with them. A lot of U.S. presidents are over there in Saudi. But remember, Biden said, oh, I'd never go. I'd never go. And yet today he was begging for oil because we have no energy independence as a result of this president. What a shameful disgrace. And what a basic weakening of the American standing, I think, in the world stage as a result of this president. That, to me, really saddens me because it's not just about oil. It's about perception in the world. And I think he has hurt us big time because everybody sees that he has weakened us within and now he is begging outside. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Norman. Line one. Norm, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, my thoughts are leadership. Um, would President Trump have put us in this position? And my main question I have is who's really running our country? Is President Obama still in charge? And what's with the Democrats and their desire to court Iran and alienate the Arab world, which endangers our strongest ally, Israel? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, great point. That's my those are my thoughts. Yes. Uh, and and hang with us. Hang with, hang with me, Norm, because then we'll, get, we'll we'll dissect a few of them. First off, you said who's really running the show. That's a great point, because he is clearly being directed, Norm. I mean, you, you see it. It's like even uh, everywhere he went, you could tell. On the stage, it was like the Israelis were like, uh, over here, Mr. President, uh, you, uh, you need to sit down. Like, you know, like, like they were guiding him. He just seemed lost in every sense of the word. And even in Saudi, it was like, where do I go? Where am I here? And he was fumbling, bumbling and a lot of verbal gaffes too. So there is definitely somebody directing this. They knew he had to go there. I mean, there was no way he, you know, that he couldn't at some point try to get oil from somewhere because we're in such a dire Situation, And he doesn't understand, you know, that America runs on fossil fuels. I mean, that's the economy. That's that's the way of the world. And and he has not conceded it yet, Norm, which is just stunning, you know, and, and who knows? I think, you know, you bring up Obama, you brought up. I think there's a good chance Obama is still running the shows in many ways. I mean, Susan Rice, a lot of Obama people are right there, right next to him. But he just looks so feeble. And he looked just he didn't look like, you know, you brought up the difference about Trump. We would not be in this situation, Norm. I don't think so in any shape. I don't think we'd be. First of all, I don't think Putin would have invaded Ukraine. And I don't think in any shape or form we'd be booming right now because Trump would have like doubled production. He wouldn't have like cut back in any shape or form Mm -hmm. oil production in America. We would actually be in such a powerful position financially and also leverage wise, don't you think? Oh, yes. And I also think it's quite telling that uh, President Obama never left Washington, D.C. Um, uh, it seems to be, you know, Bush went back to Texas or and, uh, you know, presidents generally after they've served two terms, they go back to wherever they go back to. And then President Obama never left D.C. And that's, you know, I say to myself, well, why would this man who has everything in the world, why why would he stay in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. And not that far, by the way, from the White House, too. It is 
you know, at first there was a report, oh, he might be staying there to write his memoirs, but you don't need to sit in Washington, D.C. to write memoirs these days. You're right. It's like, why is he's a little uh, too close for comfort? And a lot of his folks and look, Kamala Harris uh, was also a friend of Obama's. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I have no doubt that he played a role in getting her picked as vice president. Uh, thank you, President Obama, for that one, for for getting cackles in there, you know. And Iran. Yeah. I mean, they and Iran. Uh, they uh, they love this Iran. And, uh, you know, now we're going to bribe them to not make to not make nukes like we really believe that the bribe is going to keep them from making nukes like they might have nukes now. I mean, uh, I, I think they the reaction that Iran towards President Trump was you know, keeping them from from developing nuclear bombs. Now we're looking to please them and uh, go back to what Obama wanted, which was this uh, bizarre relationship with Iran. And I think uh, it's it's going to backfire. Yeah, I do, too. And you can tell, Norm, that uh, Israel's worried, too. I mean, that's the other thing, too. Israel is like, uh-oh, you know, this guy. That's why, you know, you see the new Israeli prime minister right there next to, you know, Biden. And Biden saying, well, you know, maybe diplomacy, maybe this. And the Israeli prime minister has only been on the job, what is it, like uh, two weeks, this new one. And he's like, um, well... We don't think diplomacy and words are working, and we need to have a real military solution on the table. In other words, get your act together, because you know we're we're right in the backyard of Iran, buddy. You know, I mean, it, you could tell they are really worried that he is not uh, the guy to be driving the train in terms of security going up against a big actor like Iran. And and talk about a different policy, Norm. Thank you, by the way, very much for the call. I always love hearing from you. Um, but you know, I also think about. Also, in, in Trump's case, Trump was sent a message. Remember, he went after Soleimani. You know, that was, uh, you know, obviously uh, the guy of the Revolutionary Guard sent a strong message to Iran, don't mess with us. Um, he was very tough, pulled out of the deal, put some standards on them, played hard. And that's the only thing that bad actors understand, whether it's Iran or Russia or China and this weakness, they're smelling weakness all over the place with this president. Thanks so much, Norm. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. What did you make of President Biden meeting with the, quote, pariah state that he called pariah? He said, oh, I'm not going to meet with them. But sure enough, he did and begged for oil. And then he came out with this statement saying, oh, they're working on green energy, as if that's what we're thinking about with Saudi Arabia. Oh, my goodness. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show on this great Friday night. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are just talking about President Biden's dangerous, dangerous overseas policy and dithering overseas policy. He's all over the place. And certainly... Not being received and not being perceived as a strong leader. And that's what America should be. We're the greatest country in the world. Used to be like when President Trump would go overseas, it would be like, you know, roll out the red carpet. You know, boy, you know, a walk on water almost the way that they treated him because they understood the importance of the role of America. And he also projected strength. 
And we're not seeing that now. And former Energy Secretary Rick Perry had this to say about the way that Norm was just talking about the way that President Biden has handled Iran and how dangerous this path that this president is taking now, putting us all basically at risk. The sadder part about what uh, President Biden is doing uh, is he's empowering countries like Iran, uh, not only uh, getting them back into the uh, uh, the Iran nuclear deal, but also allowing them to sell, uh, you know, millions of barrels of, of oil and refreshing their coffers that they're using against the United States and our allies in that part of the world. Wow. Very, very strong stuff. And that is what is happening. They're using it against us. And right now we have lost the leverage. I mean, if you're going in negotiating, you want to be the strong person. And if the guy who has the oil, who has the riches, who has the strength, the verbal gravitas, all of that matters. And being the leader of the United States, you already walk in with gravitas. But this president is treated like sort of an observer, like a backseat. We're going to take your calls after the break, everybody. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the show, where we get to honor our great law enforcement and also their families. A powerful story tonight on this Friday night from Southington, Connecticut, where a prestigious veterans organization has awarded a veteran Southington police officer with one of its most prestigious law enforcement awards. Officer Christopher Laporte was recently honored by the Connecticut American Legion as its 2022 Officer of the Year. The department posted photos and an announcement of the honor this week on social media. Laporte has been a member for 25 years. He currently serves the town in its community relations department. He supervises the town's passenger safety seat installation and donation program, as well as its neighborhood watch and prior to his role in community relations, Laporte served in the patrol division, and he was also a canine officer. The award goes to those with exceptional performance of duty who have brought credit to their police department, to their community, and to themselves. So what a great shout-out to police officer Christopher Laporte of Southington, Connecticut, who sounds like he's done a lot of different roles in the department and obviously is beloved and doing a great job and I'm sure inspiring many other officers across the country. Well, we're talking about something that isn't inspiring and that's President Biden over there in Saudi Arabia. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what a contrast. Remember when President Trump was over there and they like rolled out the red carpet. He was doing like the sword dance. Remember it was like that famous sword dance and he was holding this like orb at one point and he was lined up and it was like, it was like a scene out of what was the movie coming to America with Eddie Murphy where you had all the, the gold and the glitter. And, you know, when he went back home and they visited him and remember that whole deal, like with all the garb and all the outfit, that whole thing. It was, this was like an amazing scene when President Trump went there. I mean, it was like he was there with them and he didn't make any bones that he felt it was important to have good relations with Saudi Arabia when President Bush went there too. He also there met. And also Obama, remember, met. Remember, he bowed to then the king, and that got a lot of hoopla. 
uh, that he was bowing, you know, looking very uh, diminishing in that way by doing it. He was like, oh, no, it wasn't a bow. I was uh, tying my shoe. Remember, it was like <laughs> anything but bowing, you know, was his excuse. But what a different contrast it was when President Trump was over there and the way that the world perceived America and our role in the world. And this is what James Carafano, who's a great strategist there with the Heritage Foundation, this is the way he described President Joe Biden's trip so far to the Middle East. And this saddens me as an American, uh, but I sadly agree with him. Look, you said at the top of the, before that the solution to America's energy is in the United States. We, and we've heard nothing about American energy production. So anything over there is just it's just nonsense. And and the key to peace in the Middle East is dealing with Iran. And again, we heard nothing. Everything in the Abraham Accords, which is vital for pushing back, this is being done by the Israelis and the Arabs with the president as kind of the bystander in chief. So I didn't take anything away from And to me, the most egregious thing to say, well, I told them what I thought. And then he said, well, I told the Chinese what I thought. So tell me how many Uyghurs are better off today? How many slaves in China are better off today? Because Joe Biden got to say what he thought. And the answer is nobody. Nobody cares what Joe Biden says. Boy, is that scary. And he really does seem sort of like a passive participant over there as opposed to leading the charge and as opposed to, oh, my gosh, everybody has to be on their best behavior. How can we help America? Because that's what we care about, obviously. They seem to be like, well, what can we get out of this? You know, this guy's uh, an old fool. How are we going to get one over on him this time? It, it saddens me. It really does. It saddens me big time. And it's a big contrast, as James Carafano highlights, into the way that they treated Trump when he went over to the Middle East. It was a vacuum that was created by Joe Biden. President Trump was demonstrably pleasant in the region and had and was transformative with the Abraham Accords, with pushing Iran back into the box. Iran was terrified of Donald Trump because he killed Soleimani and because he he it was um, he, and he was strong about what they were doing in Iraq. He was strong in Syria about containing Assad. Um, he, the Russians were, were respecting what he did. Everybody respected Donald Trump in the region. If there is a vacuum, it's because on day one, Joe Biden walked in office and said, I care about climate change. I care about gender, gender identity worldwide. And I care about doing as little as possible in Western Europe and the Middle East as I can get away with. How sad is that? Because they do see that message. It's like he's worried about which pronoun to call somebody. And they're worried about making sure that their people have oil, heat, gas. I mean, what a difference in priorities, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ralph in New Jersey. Line 8. Ralph, your thoughts thank, about thank this? You for, thank you for taking my call, first of all, uh, Rita. Okay, This clown Biden really uh, is in the Middle East just to make a fool or an ass of himself. Now, I want you to make sense out of this. You know, I, I'm down on my knees begging you, please, for more oil over there in Saudi Arabia. Meanwhile, the strategic oil reserve, he sold it all to China. Can you make sense out of that, uh, Rita? And while we're at it, this is the last but, but, but not least thing I'm going to say. You know, your manhood really uh, Biden right now is on the line with the unfolding situation still going on in Ukraine. You need to show your ass over there in Ukraine. OK, great. Po- By the way, Ralph, great points, because you're right. First off, 
uh, when you said he hasn't been to Ukraine, to me, I agree with you. It's stunning and it's embarrassing, but it's not surprising. He won't even go. He won't go to our border. Um, he, and all these other leaders have been first off to Ukraine. I mean, think about, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, we know Boris Johnson's, uh, resigning. Uh, but he was over there a lot. We saw the Polish president. We saw the NATO leader. We saw all these people. They weren't afraid to go in there. But Biden was like, oh, I can't go in there. So you're right. He hasn't shown up at Ukraine. He hasn't shown up uh, at the border, which is right in our backyard, of course. Um, it's the backyard I'm talking about of America. I mean, it's so easy for him to go to the border. He hasn't gone there. Um, and it is. It's embarrassing. And just like you said, too, you brought up a great point there, Ralph, about the strategic oil reserve. That, to me, is such a dereliction. Those oil reserves, when you tap into them, that is supposed to be as a backup for emergencies. He created this emergency. He keeps blaming it on, you know, gas owners, blames it on, you know, Putin, blames it on, you know, it's raining today versus sunny, whatever he can blame it on, Ralph. But you're right. Um, he created the dilemma as opposed to allowing the spigots to flow in America. Then he went to our emergency reserves. And what did he do? He sold them to many in Europe and also our adversary, China. That, to me, is such a dereliction. And that, to me, is abominable. I mean, how can that be? How can any American president justify selling it to our adversary when we are dealing with prices at home? I mean, it, it's like, is, is he with America? I mean, it's shocking. It's really, it is, it is so contrary to what the role of an American president, that, that's what I would expect the Venezuelan president to do. What, what do you think, Ralph? Why do you think he did that? What is his objective? And then, like you said, now he's going over with Saudi with the tin cup going, Oh, please help us. Please help us. When we, when we have it here for drilling, he, he didn't do it. To, to undermine this country, basically. I mean, the, the man, the man is, uh, you know, uh, attached to China, attached to the hip, uh, to China. A deeply compromised would be, you know, a, a, a mild way to say, he, you know, the man is deeply compromised to China. Uh, God help us all at this point in time, Rita. If the, the, the next plus point is triggered, that is of Taiwan, okay? And can you really can you really trust Joseph Biden to to have the uh, nuclear code? They just have a PSA announcement about a possible nuclear attack of New York. What is that all about, Rita? If I may ask you, yeah, what's that, that yeah. all about? That's by the way, Ralph. That is a scary. You bring up a a great point there. That PSA is like. What do they know? Why are they putting out a PSA? Usually it's like uh, the PSA is to, like, wash your hands and, you know, make sure you clean up after yourself, eat your vegetables, you know. And they're, like, putting out a PSA, as you said, uh, a couple days ago. That was stunning. And it was like, uh, do this, do this. You got this. When a nuclear attack happens, should it happen, here's what you got to do. Uh, no one is telling us why that's happening. What the heck? Is there some intelligence that they know of that they feel like they got to put it out? And just like you said, can you trust Joe Biden can't even handle walking down or up the stairs, as we've seen, or on a bike, and he's supposed to handle the nuclear code? Uh, we're in a tough spot. Ralph, where are you from, by the way? Where are you? What country are you from? Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm from the Philippines. Wonderful. No, I love getting your perspective. Ralph, you're terrific. Thank right, you thanks, so much, Ralph. You. Great. Let's go to Craig, line seven. Craig, your thoughts about this. 
Hi. Uh, yeah, uh, Biden is just corrupt. He, he should be brought up on treason, along with John Kerry, along with the Bulger kid. The reason Putin moved into the Ukraine was because he got tired of watching these people robbing his, his old country. And he said, enough of this stuff. It's sickening what this man has done to our country, and the FBI is protecting him. They're supposed to be protecting the United States from people like him. It's now, sickening. Do you think, um, Craig, let me ask you, because, you know, we just heard a really powerful point from the previous caller. I thought he made a great point where he talked about the strategic oil reserves being sold to China. I mean, it's shocking that our emergency reserves went to China, were sold to China Actively, not even an announcement. It kind of came out. Remember, it was like scooped in a in a Reuters report, um, and they didn't deny it. So you know what happened. The lowest point there is. Yeah. Lowest point there in since eighty five, and and it's going to cost what Trump filled them for two dollars a barrel, and we're going to pay like seven dollars. I mean, seven dollars a gallon to put them back. It's like he's he's just made this country. He's corrupt, and. It's treasonous what him and the Clintons and everybody else has done to this country. Play for play or, you know, pay for play. Well, that's what I'm wondering, Craig. By the way, I'm wondering, you know, with China, as we're talking about why is he helping China, is there some reason he wants to still help China despite what they've done to us and our adversary in so many different levels? Is there – I'm just throwing it out there, you know, with all the investigations with Hunter and Hunter's ties to China – it's kind of interesting that he still seems to be coddling China a little, Craig. Is there something there, or am I looking fishing? The Democratic crime syndicate, and that's all it is, and they don't care about our country. They just care about themselves. Really Everyone scary. getting rich. Very scary. Really scary. Craig, thank you very much for the call. Uh, let's go to Christopher in Vermont on Line 6. Christopher, your thoughts? Yes, hi, Rita. Hi. You're... you're such a delight you're such a delight oh thank you christopher I've thank admired you. you for so many years but thank uh, you i'm not trying to shine your shoes but uh, this whole thing with uh, with bite me it's like dr jekyll and mr hyde you know it, it going from donald trump the greatest president we've had since ronald reagan who cared about this country who strengthened us militarily and economically and everything else and now it's all being torn to pieces and and for for some kind of nonsense climatology or something we didn't create the climate we didn't create the earth or the 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 universe or anything else and yet we can control it it's breathtaking yeah it is breathtaking and the fact that he was going over there with his green energy policy, like I laughed, uh, you know, Christopher today, he comes out with, you know, what's supposed to be this big announcement. And he comes out and, and the announcement is that he's talking about like 5G and he's talking about green energy. And meanwhile, we're like diet at the pumps here. Uh, we've got skyrocketing inflation, you know, the biggest in 40 years plus. Uh, it's like he just seems out of touch. Don't you think, Christopher? It's like, it's like, does he realize how bad things are. 13% of Americans think the country's headed in the right direction. I mean, this is, I've never seen a man destroy America so quickly. Oh, no, no. no we couldn't have an enemy more effective than than uh, Joseph Biden. We couldn't have a more effective enemy. Yeah, and that's scary because it it, it just, it is frightening that he is out there supposed to be, quote, 
representing our interests. And he is just, he seems just frail. He seems uh, uninterested. He doesn't see, I mean, he doesn't seem passionate publicly. So, you know, he's probably even more docile privately. Like, what is he sleeping the whole time during the meeting? I mean, it's it's scary, Christopher, when you see that. Thank you very much for the call from beautiful Vermont. Thank you. Let's go to Valeria in Florida. Line three. Valeria, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. You are a delight. Thank you. Biden hasn't had an original idea in his head since he conspired with Hunter on the overseas pay-to-play schemes. He was installed by other people, and we all know who they are. How did this happen? This happened because, Rita, I'm 65 years old. We have a voter mentality problem. That's how we got Biden. That's how Biden got in. What do you mean by voter mentality, Valeria? Okay. I've talked to Democrats, and they told me, we love the Clinton crime machine. We know it's a crime machine. We're going to keep voting for the Clinton crime machine because they get us what we want. They get us state and federal freebies. They give us government jobs that are easy to get and easy to keep. I've spoken to Democrats. I've worked on campaigns. Wow. I've asked them, but you know how these people are. They like, but we don't care because they give us what, what they give us what we want and all politics is crooked. So we just know how to play the game better than you guys do. Rita, we have an ethics and a value problem in this country. We have people that don't love this country anymore the way they did. That's what, that's how, that's how the Democrats stay in power. But for the dim voters who know better and turned a blind eye, Biden and the squad, they would not be in power. They would be appalled at all the stuff that came out about him over the years. They would have kicked him to the curb when he did the high-tech lynching of Clarence Thomas that I saw on cable TV. No, I remember that. They would have been so appalled because don't forget, the Democrats were supposed to be the Democrats of Martin Luther King and civil rights. It, it, we know they, they were crooked because they didn't cook him to the curb when they had a chance. Well, and Valeria, <laughs> Valeria, just to keep you focused on what you're talking about, the freebies, it's interesting. I remember... Um, I was covering the campaign when Obama won and I was outside the polls, you know, working for the for the media. And I was outside the polls and saying, hey, who'd you vote for? And a lot of people said, well, I voted for Obama. And I would say, well, why? And they said, because he's going to give me a free phone or he's going to give me a free this. Like they didn't hesitate. Just like you said, it's like what like what kind of freebie can I get? You know, Um, and that's why the stimulus and all these things that the Democrats have been pushing big time and want to keep pushing big time, no matter how much it hurts the economy, they want to be able to say, hey, we got you this money in your pocket. We got you that money. We got you this. Um, it, it's all about what keeps them, just like you said, in power um, and yet not thinking about the impact on the whole society and the American economy. Valeria, thank you. You are fantastic and beautiful sunny florida thank you so much when we come back we're going to continue with your calls everybody 1-800-848-9222 1-800-848-9222 what do you make of the fact that joe biden is over there begging for oil and now 
He is blasting also gas stations, by the way, in America. Like they're to blame as opposed to his policies. And now we're in this position where we're looking like, uh, I keep using the word Oliver. Remember the movie Oliver? I'll have some more, sir. Please, please give me some more oil. He's like over there begging over there in the Middle East, looking like a bystander, as James Carafano, I thought so eloquently put it. And it really has, I think, diminished our standing in the world. And that saddens me. And I think that that has a big impact well beyond even this trip. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll take your calls when we come back. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Just the way it is under Joe Biden, because, boy, we couldn't expect anything different from him. Oh, yeah, I sort of talked about human rights. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be meeting with the crown prince. Meanwhile, he's the first person who gets off and greets him. It's like, come to my country. Great to meet you. And they fist bump. And then, of course, he comes out and he starts talking about green energy. And the next hour, I'm going to play some of the comments because I couldn't believe it. He comes out like... Oh, here's our big announcement after our meeting. And it's like, uh, they're going to be doing, uh, windmills in Jeddah. Uh, it's like, uh, what does that have to do with oil in America and gas prices? Oh my goodness. This guy is so out of touch and it's embarrassing for this country. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Pam in Brooklyn. Pam, your thoughts about this? Yes. Hi, Rita. I have two quick questions. The first one is, do we know what uh, Biden gave away to the Arabs in return for the oil? And my other question is, do we know who Gavin Newsom met at the White House with since Biden wasn't there? Ah, great questions. Um, Well, first off, uh, on the deal, if there was, you know, uh, give for give, because you're right, there's always something. Believe me, nobody just gives it for nothing. Um, We don't know yet. And we don't know even how successful there's reports tonight that he may have gotten them to increase production from what was planned in July and August. Uh, but that's, you know, it's like almost, you know, it's mid-July. So that's like, oh, yeah. So for the next uh, week or two or three, we're going to maybe increase a little bit. I mean, it's not much that he even got that he can boast about. So I don't know what leverage they can have on him. They didn't really give up very much so far from what we're seeing. Um, but you're right. Um, even anything over there, uh, what is he giving up? What is he turning a blind eye to? What is he helping them with? Because even if they do something small, they're certainly going to want something in return. And to answer your question about Gavin Newsom, um, I don't know exactly who he met with. We do know it was really interesting that he did go to the White House this week while Biden's overseas. And he's also been trying to, like, uh, You know, poke the bear. You can tell he went on Truth Social. He's been trying to poke President Trump. You could tell that Gavin Newsom, I think, is either going to run 
in 2024 as a Democrat, uh, you know, against Biden or instead of Biden? Uh, what are your thoughts, Pam, real quick on that? I don't know. I'd be very interested to know who he met at the White House, because that goes to tell you who's really in charge. Yeah, I think, by the way, I think he met also with uh, Ron Klain. There were some reports that he met with basically the chief of staff there. So that's kind of interesting. And it's interesting that they opened the doors of the White House while Biden's gone. That perception, it just shows weakness, weakness, weakness. And that seems to be the motto of Biden, Biden. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show as President Biden is in the pariah state of Saudi Arabia. By the way, later on in this hour, we're also going to be talking about L.A. County D.A. George Gascon, who is probably the softest on crime D.A. in the country, maybe even more so than Alvin Bragg, which is a lot to say after the way Alvin Bragg's been handling that bodega case. My goodness, I don't know if there'd be anybody softer than Alvin Bragg, but he has a Calise competition on the West Coast with D.A. George Gascon, who is now fighting a ruling mandating the three strikes. Remember the three strikes? Uh, basically, you're out. If you're caught on the second one, they double your punishment. It was a way to send a message to criminals, especially repeat offenders. And now Gascon is trying to back that off. He also is disbanding the unit that notifies victims of their assailants' parole hearings. So in other words, the victims won't know if somebody's getting out who committed a crime against them. How nice is that? Boy, he is so sympathetic to repeat offenders and criminals and cons, just like Alvin Bragg. And now he basically says, well, I want to save money, and this is a good way to save money. You know, it would be really nice if somebody had been attacked by somebody and they were getting out, because first of all, you can't trust that Gascon wouldn't be light on the person and try to get him out early. Most of the time he doesn't even put him in. But the few that he does put in and then they get out for parole, it's, I think, just common practice to let a victim know that, guess what, this bad guy who did something terrible to you or your family is getting out. It's just that's just common courtesy, common practice. It's the right thing to do, because often these people, when they get out, guess what, they kind of go after the victim again. He thinks for some reason he doesn't have to tell the victim anymore. So to me, this is really astounding. And to me, it just shows such a lack of compassion for the victim and a big compassion for the criminal. And boy, does he have criminal justice backwards, just like in New York with Alvin Bragg, just as we saw before in San Francisco. And no wonder they are running now a potential recall of Gascon. They're going to find out next month that there's enough signatures. It sounded like they got more than enough, but they have to go through the process and get it official uh, but, boy, we're going to talk about tough times in crime in America. And now we have some of the softest DAs that American history has ever seen. And this guy just needs to go. I- I'm astounded that he is still in office. 
uh, that a recall hasn't happened sooner because when you look at what this guy's doing, it is so counterproductive to law and order in this country and send such a dangerous, dangerous signal. We're going to talk about that later on in the hour. Meantime, we're talking about President Biden because everybody's been watching his trip, first trip to the Mideast as president. He went to Israel, then he goes to Saudi Arabia, and he comes out, you know, with this press conference a few hours ago, and everyone's like, okay, good. What is he going to say? Is it going to be this big, big announcement? Is, you know, first of all, everybody hates the idea that he's going there and begging you know, for oil and gas, I hate it as an American because he should have just opened the spigots. He shouldn't have cut off the Keystone Pipeline on day one, which he did. It's all his policies that have sort of created this dilemma. And so here he is, and he goes over there, and what does he come out with? This is his big announcement. Take a listen. After he meets with Saudi Arabia, all the leaders of Saudi Arabia is going there to beg for oil And here's what he comes out with. I thought it was such a joke. Saudi Arabia will invest in new U.S.-led technology to develop and secure reliable 5G and 6G networks, both here and in the future in developing countries, to coordinate with the Partnership for Global Initiative, the Global Infrastructure and Investment, which I put together at the G7. This new technology solution for 5G called Open RAN will outcompete other platforms, including from China. It's like he comes out with a 5G announcement. Like, that's all everybody's talking about, right? When he's going over to Saudi Arabia. Are you kidding me? And then he goes further, and of course he couldn't help himself to start getting into more of this green energy stuff, to Saudi Arabia. Give me a break. Saudi Arabia will also partner with us on a far-reaching clean energy initiative focused on green hydrogen, solar carbon capture, nuclear, and other projects to accelerate the world's clean energy transition and to help the U.S. clean energy industry set global standards. So he's over there talking about green energy. Are you kidding me? This is why you go over to Saudi Arabia to talk about green energy, that that's the big announcement, 5G and green energy? To me, that is such an unbelievable insult. Take a listen. This is Joe Concha, media critic there at Fox News. And we right after the big announcement, everybody was like, are you kidding me? How out of touch is this American president and his policies? He is driving us down to the ground with his oil policies. And he comes out with some announcement about 5G and green energy in Saudi Arabia. That's what we're thinking about. What's your reaction to that? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And here is Joe Concha with his reaction. He then went on to talk about 5G, uh, green hydrogen, and solar, and talked about a green energy transition. Again, it's profoundly tone deaf to be talking about green energy transitions when so many Americans are having so much difficulty paying for food and then paying to fill their tank in their cars to get that food or to get to work. So this is why 13 percent of the American voters now think the nation is on the right track, and and the president's messaging is not helping. And then he was asked, what are you going to do? Because everybody in the media, and this isn't, you know, conservative media. This is everybody in the media is like, wait, 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 wait. Here's this big moment, his first Mideast trip. He's going to Saudi Arabia. He's begging for oil because he cut off all the supply here in America. And he's going over there, and that's your announcement? 
So they said, what are you going to do to reduce prices for American consumers? It's great. You're talking about green energy in, you know, in uh, Jetta. But that's not the first thing on our mind when you go to the gas pump every day here. You know, wherever you're picking, you know, pumping the oil and pumping the gas. Give me a break. That to me is so uh, it just it is so out of touch and so indicative of this president. And also what's indicative of him is that. When he's asked this question, take a listen. I couldn't believe this because this is what he had to say when he said he was asked, what are you going to do about higher prices in America? And he, of course, couldn't help himself, doesn't look within himself and say, I created this chaos that my administration and our policies to cut off the spigots in America created this crisis for the world right now. With everything with Ukraine and everything else, where boy, we would be booming if we were energy independent and supplying the world. Think about how well off we would be right now. I mean, it's astounding to think about the position he took, started when he started this country and the position in terms of energy independence under President Trump. And he kills the Keystone pipeline. He stops the spigots, vilifies oil companies. And now he's also vilifying mom-and-pop gas stations. He took a swipe at mom-and-pop gas stations while he's over in Saudi Arabia a few hours ago. Listen to who he blames for the gas prices. On gas prices, if I may, you said that we'll see relief at some point in the not-too-distant future. What is the message to Americans who are looking for that relief now? When should they expect to see a real change in prices, though they've already been coming down? They've already been coming down. That's right. They've been coming down every single day, the best of my knowledge. When will we see the impact of this visit? I suspect you won't see that for another couple weeks. And, 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 and And we'll see more when we see gas stations start to lower their price consistent with what they're paying for the oil. It's mom and pop gas stations that are to blame, not his policy that has hurt us with energy independence and used basically every ounce of leverage that we had around the world. To me, this is just it is obscene. It is such a lie and it is such an embarrassment. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Larry, your thoughts. Yeah, first of all, I want to say that uh, when when Biden uh, sold the uh, strategic reserve to China, I consider that an act of treason because China is in a, is in a uh, is in an enemy posture towards us. Until we resolve the COVID question, they have an they have like an enemy status. That's number one, and that's his second act of treason because when he gave over the Bagram Air Base with eighty billion dollars worth of equipment to the Taliban. We had not signed the peace treaty with the Taliban, so they were still uh, they were still our enemies. There was no peace treaty, but okay, so that's two acts of treason. And um, uh, also, um, uh, what I was going to say is that he, if you you would listen to Bernie McGurk this morning, he was phenomenal. He said that he had to cave in in order to get this meeting. He had to stoop so low as to cave into the demands of the crown prince to donate. He only said like a hundred million. It, it was $318 million, and at first they said it was to Palestinian hospitals, which sounded good. You know, I mean, hospitals is a neutral thing. But then I found out it was to the UN WRA, the relief, that, that, that 90-year-old relief organization where there's no more refugees around, and the money usually goes 
to to uh, to the head of the Palestinian state, who then funnels it to terrorism. So right after he goes into Israel and he talks, he waxes about freely about the Holocaust. We can't forget the Holocaust. Okay, he, he he's giving three hundred eighteen million dollars to, to to it's going to get into the hands of the Palestinians, and they're going to give it to terrorists who are going to kill Jews. Okay, oh. so, so so he's he's a big. Fraud. Well, and okay. also, by the way, Larry, also after that sort of, quote, humanitarian uh, endeavor there that you're referring to, then the head of the Palestinian Authority comes back to him and says, if you want anything out of us, by the way, if you want a two-state solution, you want any deal, here's our demands. The guy just got all this money, which, just as you point out, is never going to probably end up in the hands of the Palestinian people. Um, and then he's making, he said, if you want like any inch of any sort of discussion or renew, you know, peace talks, uh, with the Palestinians and the Israelis, here's our list of demands. In other words, whatever you did, that was nothing. We need a lot more. (laughs) It's like, I mean, we really are in sort of like a beggar situation and that's a sad situation. Larry, thank you very much. Let's go to Stan in Forest Tales, line six. Go ahead, Stan, your thoughts. What was the guy that called up before? He said uh, he, Donald Trump was the greatest president since Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that's I, what he said. What, what know, do you uh, well, stand? What well, do you that think? Guy, that guy is having bad dreams or something like no, that. No, no. Listen. Now let Wait me ask you. Hang on, Stan. Hang on. Do, do you think Joe Biden is the greatest president in American history? Please don't tell me yes. He's a he's a, he's a decently good president. Not great. How could you even say good? Stan? I can say good compared to what we had. I can say that all day and all night. I don't like traitors. And that's what Donald Trump is, a traitor to everything about this country. And so if you can say that Joe Biden is worse than that, there's something wrong with you. Now, Larry was just saying Larry that he's is in a communist. Larry thinks, Larry thinks that Biden is a traitor, that he has yeah, sold Larry, us out. Yeah, yeah. He talks. I mean, he's got nothing. He talks and he talks. He's got nothing. He sits on that computer all day. What he does with that computer. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what anybody does with that. But go ahead. Especially (laughs) him. He's out of his mind. But here's the point. The meeting uh, was a very – it was a very difficult meeting. First of all, he didn't beg for oil. We're not getting any oil from them. He wanted to open up the spigots, which the gentleman said he did. And has opened up the spigots, and the prices will go down. But Stan, the reason, Stan, hang on a second. First of all, first off, there is such a different perception in the world when President Trump went over there, and also when he went to Israel, when he went, and also, Stan, hold on a second, and also, when you also look at the way that this was just handled, oh, we're not going to meet with the crown prince, we're not, and then, of course, he's meeting with the crown prince. And the reason he's going over there asking for oil, Stan, and you can't deny this, President Trump had us energy independent. And yet this president reversed course and he is now blaming mom and cop, pop gas stations yeah, as opposed that? to did his own policies. That? Oh, come on. Oh, did he did. He said, he said he it. He never said, Mama, what's the matter with you? What's the he matter with you, Stan? Hang on, Stan. I'm going to play it for you again. because he, he said Stan, gas stations. He didn't say mom and pop. Who I didn't hear mom oh, and pop. Oh, Stan, who do you think runs gas stations? Stan, oh, get, please. Come Stan, on. You know, who do you, do Google you think, runs gas stations. Wait, hang on. have tons of them. What are you talking about? Stan, most of the gas stations are independent owned. 
owners, a lot of them are across the country. You've got to admit that. A lot of them are independent owners. And you think the reason that gas is up is because these people, whether it's gas station, whether it's mom and pops, or whether it's big oil companies, you don't think that his policies contributed to this? Do you honestly, Stan, please tell me. You seem like a smart man, please. Yeah, absolutely not. This is a world problem. If you don't know that, I can't help you. This has been a world problem around the world for the last year and a half. The problem since the pandemic is fuel and so forth. Now, here's the point. The Saudis will increase production as much as they're going to, okay? Here's the other point. Where are the American oil companies reducing their prices? They're making tons of money. Do you see them lowering their prices? They got tons of gasoline. Please, don't give me this phony talk about the the gas stations. BP, Mobile, all of them are making so much money through your nose. It's unbelievable. They can lower the prices. They don't. They won't. They know they have a good situation. There's plenty of gasoline. You know it, and I know it. Actually, Stan, Stan, actually, that is not true whatsoever. Uh, that is absolutely not true. Just because, look at what happened on day one. President Biden went in, he killed Keystone Pipeline, and he sent a message. He even said on the campaign trail, fossil fuels will basically be gone under my presidency. And that's what he did. And he sent that message. And guess what? During COVID, oil companies were dying. They took huge, huge losses. And right now, he's trying to find any scapegoat he can. But he's not looking at himself. He's not looking in the mirror. And, Stan, you are, a, I, I think, a great guy and a very smart man. But you clearly don't know what you're talking about on this one because this president has vilified the oil business, and when you refer to gas stations or oil companies, and yet you don't think him cutting off the spigots, not giving certification, not inspiring oil companies to drill, blocking them from drill, sending a message that basically they'll be out of business in a year or two under his administration. What do you think message is when he goes in on day one with an executive order? I have never seen a U.S. president kill 11,000 jobs on the first day in office and brag about it. And that's what he did. And he put us in this situation. And that's why we're looking like desperados going over to Saudi. And guess what? Had we stayed with President Trump's policies, we would be so much better off today. We would if we had stayed with his energy independence policies right now, not only would we not have to go to Saudi and beg, we would be selling to other companies at a time right now with the whole war that happened in Ukraine. Boy, would we have so much more leverage over Russia, over China. We'd be able to supply our European allies. And instead, this president has sold us out and has sold the strategic oil reserves to China and other places. That's your guy. And you think he's great. Boy, you got to get off drugs, Sam. Sam, you really do. You got whatever you're doing. You're taking some hard stuff lately. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And we're playing it because it's a little bit of 70s music. I need to go back a few decades after listening to Stan. Oh, my goodness. To be real, Stan, because what you're saying is not real, my friend. 
888-900-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. By the way, also after the break, we're going to be doing our Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the show, where we talk about our great men and women in the military and their families and give them a shout-out and shine a spotlight on a member of the military and folks who are doing great things to honor our country. Because I love this country, and I think it's embarrassing when we have a president who's begging for oil when his policies created the dire crisis that we're in. He definitely did not encourage the oil industry. He cut off the Keystone Pipeline and so much more. And, boy, are we in desperado situation. Case in point, he's fist bumping with the crown prince in Saudi Arabia. Let's go to George on line two. George, your thoughts. Hello, yeah, good evening. Uh, I'm I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing everybody talk, 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 but there's no action going on. Uh, evidently, uh, we're in a big mess. No one is questioning Biden, the president, uh, even to the point of charges of impeachment for his, is it shenanigans with his son? Uh, it still hasn't come out yet. But you know why, George? You know why? It's because right now the Democrats run, you know, the House of Representatives and the Senate. And unless the Republicans are in control, if they're in control of the House, certainly if they're in control of the House and the Senate, but if they're in control of the House, they will have much more investigative power than they would be able to. And that means November Get out and vote, because if you want to see those investigations, you got to have Republicans in control. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the show, and we get to honor our great men and women in the military. Beautiful story coming out of Sun City, Arizona, where Gino Mai has had a lot of birthdays apparently all over the world. But yesterday's celebration in Arizona may be one of his favorites. By the way, it was his 103rd birthday. How about that? Hundreds of people came out to his street to give the World War II veteran a birthday celebration that he won't soon forget. They did a drive-by salute to him, and people from all over Sun City came and joined in, uh, people from the Maricopa Sheriff's Office, veterans groups, police departments, and just average citizens. How beautiful. By the way, he lived a really interesting life. He was in Italy with his parents when World War II broke out. He was drafted into the Italian army when he was 18. But when they found out that Benito Mussolini was going to side with Adolf Hitler, Mai then was shipped to America. And that's where he joined the U.S. Army. And he went back to Europe and where he fought the Germans. Mai was recuperating in France and thought that he was coming home. But then uh, General Patton said every able-bodied soldier had to fight. So Mai went to D-Day And then he fought in the Battle of the Bulge in the Ardennes Forest. What an amazing guy. Uh, Besides the Bronze Star, which he received, he received the Purple Heart and several other medals. And how beautiful uh, that he was honored in such a big, big way in Sun City, Arizona, in his hometown on his 103rd birthday. 
Well, we are talking about Joe Biden, who isn't 103, but mentally, uh, I think uh, Mr. Mai sounds like he's a little more on it than uh, Joe Biden, because Joe Biden is still fumbling and bumbling and he's shaking in the air over there and he's misspeaking and he just looks lethargic. He just doesn't look like he's the commander over there. And that's so important, especially when you're dealing with the Middle East and tough parts of the world. And there he is on his first Mideast trip as president. And who does he blame on the gas prices? Stan just called and said, oh, no, no, no. You know, he's not blaming the gas stations. Take a listen. Here he is. On gas prices, if I may, you said that we'll see relief at some point in the not-too-distant future. What is the message to Americans who are looking for that relief now? When should they expect to see a real change in prices, though they've already been been coming down? They've already been coming down. That's right. They've been coming down every single day, the best of my knowledge. When will we see the impact of this visit? I suspect you won't see that for another couple weeks. And, 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 and And we'll see more when we see gas stations start to lower their price consistent with what they're paying for the oil. Right. It's all the gas station's fault. Nothing to do with Biden's terrible energy policies that put us in this dire crisis. I mean, this to me is one of the biggest mistakes I think an American president has made in modern history. I mean, when you think about it, the fact that he cut off energy independence made us go to where we are dependent and begging. And then we're in a situation with Ukraine where we're desperate for oil. And still a lot of Europeans are using Russian oil because they need oil to be able to fuel their country, to be able to have their country have heat and move. I mean, it's the way the world works. And yet Joe Biden knows better and has basically put so many people in a dire crisis for his loony kazuni green energy policy. Here's Joe Concha of Fox News talking about Joe Biden's statement today. Well, I found it remarkable, Martha, that, as you noted before, the president went on to blame mom-and-pop gas stations here in the U.S. for price gouging, right? And he then characterizes a reporter's question as silly when she asked about the fist bump with the crown prince, which, from an optics perspective, uh, looks like, you know, for lack of a better word, silly, right? And, and I think the main thing that Americans wanted to hear from the president, besides we're going to try to be more energy independent here at home by renewing leases off the Gulf Coast in Alaska or extending the Keystone XL pipeline once again or drilling in Anwar, uh, is that at least the Saudis and OPEC will increase supply to bring down prices. But the president says he expects them to do it, but doesn't seem to have anything resembling a a tangible agreement with hard numbers and in, in increasing that supply. Yeah, he's just like, well, I'm expecting and I'm hoping and I'm just kind of thinking uh, and talking about uh, human rights. And it's all the gas station's fault. Nothing to do with his crazy policies that basically put us in a national security crisis. Between that and the border, this president has really left us in a really perilous situation. one 800 848 Two. Uh, let's go to let's go to Jerry. Line one. Go ahead, Jerry. Your thoughts. Yes, Rita. You know, as conservatives, we just have to do a better job when these people come on and claim there's a climate crisis, CO2 crisis, global warming crisis. All of this nonsense comes from climate computer models. And, you know, we talk about losing 500 jobs, but we have to attack this basic science. There's nobody on the face of the earth that knows what the climate is going to do. They may pretend they know. If they tell you they know, they're lying. But we don't bring real good scientists on to confront these uh, quacks, and that's what they are. 
they keep lying about the weather being more extreme now. I mean, there's one study after another that covers maybe the last 150 years that shows there's no discernible trend in weather one way or the other. I mean, I'm sure there's more stuff around to destroy. There's more people to cause harm to. But that doesn't mean the weather is more extreme. Well, and and also, and Jerry, too, they use it for politics, too. That's the other thing, too, so much to the point that he is so beholden to this loony lefty, you know, philosophy like we're talking about to the extent that he's willing to throw American production under the bus, which is what he's done. You know, I mean, I mean, that's what's scary. And, you know, it's amazing, Jerry, this week you you reminded me um, that this week there were a couple of Democrats. They came out and claimed once again, because this isn't the first time they've said it. But I couldn't believe it, you know, as he's heading over to Saudi Arabia at this point when he when they said it, that that the climate climate change is the biggest national security threat, the most imminent, dangerous security threat. And I can think of about 500 things before I would name climate change right now, you know, as the most eminent. Remember, didn't AOC say the world was going to come to to an end after like a year or two? And that was like five years ago, you know, like so Joe a, Biden. Joe Biden came right on TV and said that we only have a few years left. Well, you know what we're hoping? Guess what, Jerry? He's correct. We hopefully only have a few years left of Joe Biden. Hopefully that's what he means. (laughs) Jerry, go ahead, Jerry. India, Russia, and China are laughing. They can't believe a country can be so stupid to put their economy on the back burner because of some crazy climate accord. Yeah, it is. You you are absolutely right. They're sitting there and they are laughing at us in a big, big way because they can't believe that an American president and what a contrast from the previous one who was America first and was America independent. And when he went over, he clearly was talking about America's interests. They knew when he was even in the room here, you wouldn't even know if he's the uh, you know, if he's the custodian or if he's the president in the room. I mean, that's the sad thing. He's like so docile, so like sort of, it was Carafano earlier today, we were playing a clip where he described him as a bystander. And that's what he seems. He seems like a bystander for America and a bystander in the room. Let's go to Isabel, line two. Isabel, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. First, congratulations on your Gracie's Award. Oh, thank you, guys. (laughs) Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. A a Gracie's, which is uh, for top talk show in the country, which is really awesome, voted by my female peers. So, so Isabel, thank you. Thank you for the the person in the background, too. Thank you. That's that's Eric. You've spoken with him. Hey, Eric. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I love that you're calling (laughs) in on a Friday night. Two great folks on one in one call. Thank Thank you. Thanks. And the other two things is um, that man that called about Biden being tre- uh, treasonous. And also, the open border is treasonous. I know. I thought about that, too, that if you're going to go right. after somebody and listen, the president's first responsibility is to protect the homeland. That is the priority, Isabel. Exactly. That, that's it. And exactly. if you if you're not protecting the homeland and I, you could contend that by putting us as energy deficient and begging, he's made us you know, much weaker. The border has made us clearly much weaker. You know, you look at all the fentanyl deaths that we've that came out this week, the numbers. You're right. Those two issues are. And the fact that he sold our strategic oil reserves, part of the reserves that were released to China. I mean, 
it's like the list goes on and on. It's shocking. I would never imagine an American president at this moment in history doing any of these things. And yet he's doing them all and he's doing them all at once. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you to Eric, too. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Let's go to Andrew on line four. Andrew, your thoughts. Isabel is right. If anything, it's Biden who's a traitor with Hunter being corrupted, China, the Ukraine. And it was Biden who said, son of a gun. I told him to fire the prosecutor that was investigating my son. And by God, they did or you're not getting a billion dollars. So he has dealings with China, who's our adversary, Ukraine, who's corrupt, Russia and the Clinton Foundation. They were they were corrupt. And it was actually Adam Schiff when he was under oath that there was no evidence of Russian interfere, uh, Russian collusion. He lied on CNN, but when he actually was under threat of going to jail, perjury, he told the truth. So the, what is the uh, traitor being with Russia? That was completely debunked. And I just want to say you're right. Biden looks feeble over there like an old man being taken advantage of in a nursing home or, or something. And, yeah, I agree. And, it looks uh, so bad. Don't you, know, you think, the Andrew? Green energy, the green energy is probably just to kind of cover his bases. Like, oh, you know, like he's there fighting for the climate and green energy. And the Keystone, you're right. He said on the election trail, Trump is a liar. I'm not going to close the Keystone. And the second day in office, he closed it. Lastly, I've been, I was working in Pennsylvania with the Fox News affiliate. And over there in Pennsylvania, they have a wealth of, of uh, uh, natural gas like they do in New York State. Right. And all the Democrats are opposed to extracting it. They, they support the Reggie Act, which makes it illegal to transport, even though Shapiro, who's running as governor on the Democrat ticket, he said, I'm all of the above, yet he supports it to make it illegal. And, and all the Republicans point out it's a nationalist security issue. Well, that's, and that's exactly the point, too, because they're doing that across the country. And they're using it for political gain, just like you said, on the campaign trail. Oh, no, 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 we don't do this. And then others are kind of dancing around it. And even Biden. I mean, Biden kind of said, oh, you know, I'm not really vilifying the oil companies. And then yet he goes after them. Yet he said on the campaign trail, you know, there'll be the end of fossil fuels. He kills the Keystone Pipeline. I mean, he's talking out of both sides. It is really pathetic. Let's go to Bernie in Pittsburgh. Line two. Go ahead, Bernie, your thoughts. Yeah, how you doing, Rita? Uh, yeah, I want to call up and uh, tell you about what a complete idiot Stan is. And I'm going to put tell him one more thing. Uh, president Trump is probably going to go down as the greatest president this country's ever seen. He has done more accomplishments in the four years he's been in office since any other president in the United States. Boo, you want me to go down the list of what this president's done? Move the embassy. Talk to the leader of North Vietnam or North Korea. Korea. Yep. Also, oh and by, by the way, by the way, Bernie, it it was interesting. The only time I've ever heard, and he and he still didn't credit President Trump. Believe me, uh, Biden didn't. But today he had to acknowledge that sort of some of this reaching out to the Arab world was kind of an extension of the Abraham Accords, which was a huge achievement by President Trump when he was over there with relations with Israel and UAE and Bahrain and all these others. I, I mean, this president is so lost, and I've never seen a country go downhill he, so quick. He doesn't have a clue what's going on in this country, in this world. 
What he did to the energy is a total disaster. Uh, pushing that global warming, which there is no global warming. I'm going to tell everybody in the world about that right now. Yeah. And they've been trying to push that for the last 50 years. And the only thing that does is bring money, EPA, uh, uh, telling you what kind of car to drive, what kind of food to eat. It's a total disaster. It is a disaster. I agree with you, Byrne, very much. And it's put us in such a precarious position. Uh, Everybody, by the way, when we come back, I want to get your take real quick tonight on the stunning new information uh, as we're talking about crime all over the country. And my goodness, there's been a lot of it. We've been talking about the bodega case here uh, with the case of Alvin Bragg, who charged the bodega owner uh, with second degree murder, which is just insane. And now we have another soft on crime DA, George Gascon in Los Angeles, who I couldn't believe in the last few days, two stunning developments. One, that he is fighting this three strikes charge that basically increases punishment after each charge. It basically is a way to say, hey, listen, to repeat offenders, like, don't keep doing it. And then he also decided to disband the unit that notifies victims of their assailants' parole hearings. Think about that. That is a message, first of all, to criminals. It's a green light, and it's a punishment to victims. This, to me, is astounding, and this is what Judge Jeanine Pirro had to say about it this week. You know why we have that law? Because when these dirtbags get out of prison, they come after the family members. They come after the people who testified against them. They come after the families that were in court every day on behalf of the victim. And those victims' families are in danger. An order of protection is nothing but a piece of paper. It's not going to save them. So the least thing that we can do is to give them notice that this person is coming out. This man is in, he is, he is incapable of running a DA's office. And things are so bad in L.A. You think they're bad in New York with uh, Alvin Bragg, who has still charged the bodega guy and not the woman who was stabbing the bodega guy? Boy, this is so crazy. Uh, but here in Los Angeles on this case, it's so bad that the deputy DAs are saying that their boss, George Gascone, is dangerous to the community. Think about that. Take a listen. This is John Hatami, who's a deputy DA under Gascon. I mean, George Gascon's policies are like a virus. They've basically spread from Los Angeles to neighboring cities, such as Culver City, which has a 90% increase in violent crime, to West Hollywood, which has a 137% increase in violent crime, to an increase in crime in Santa Monica, to an increase in crime in Venice, uh, to an increase in crime in Beverly Hills. 37 cities have voted and said they have no confidence in the elected district attorney to protect them. Wow. What a staggering number. And they're working on a recall of this guy. Can you believe this guy is supposed to be the prosecutor? Not a defense attorney for criminals. He's supposed to be a prosecutor advocating for victims. And he is now making it easier for people to get out, get less punishment. And also, when they do get out, now he has disbanded the unit that notifies victims and their families that the guy or gal could be up for parole and could be getting out. I mean, what a disrespect to victims of crime across this country. These DAs are disgusting. I'm going to take your calls about that when we come back. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. These soft on crime DAs, they got to go. 
It's the Rita Cosby Show. should listen to Madonna and get into the groove, but I'm talking about the groove of justice. How can you be a DA in this country, and he's the current DA in L.A., and now say that you're going to try to disband the three strikes rule? In fact, he's fighting with appeals court because court said, no, 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 you have to enforce this. This is state law. Uh, That sends a message to repeat offenders that after each time they get a certain amount of punishment mandatory punishment. Oh, no, no, no. He's fighting it. And now he's disbanding this unit that notifies victims of their assailant's potential parole. And you are the person who's supposed to be representing victims. I I can't think of a more insincere, a more uh, just inconsiderate, a more dangerous position for a DA to take. Boy, he seems sympathetic to these criminals who are committing crime over and over again. And so much of the crime in major cities across the country, it's by these repeat offenders. So what do you think needs to happen to this DA? Uh, he, There's a chance he could get recalled. In fact, people working under him, under him that are in the office. Can you imagine how nice that office must be? The people working under him are pushing for a recall of Gascon big time. And I hope it happens because it can't happen soon enough. Uh, I was just uh, in touch with John Hatami earlier today, and he was saying that by mid-August, they will know if they have enough to do a vote of George Gascon. And if it gets verified that they have enough, you know, verified signatures, goes for a vote, he could actually potentially, maybe it's on the November ballot, maybe it's before, maybe it's after, but in the next few months, there could be a vote. And I hope he gets the boot just like Chesa Boudin did, that very soft on crime DA in San Fran. You can't do it in New York. The governor's got to have the guts to get rid of Alvin Bragg, and I hope the governor finally does the right thing. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike, line seven. Go ahead, Mike, your thoughts about this. Hey, Rita, I love your show. you got the best voice. Oh, thank um, you so much. I And I have the best callers because of you guys, so that's what makes it oh, fun. Well, thank you. It's true. Um, I, look, i got to tell you, uh, these George Soros-funded uh, DAs across this country, how does this guy fund all these people? How does this, how does this, this dark money come in and, you know, pretty much ensure that these guys get elected? And I, I just don't get it. I well, don't he's a, I mean, well, he's uh, a wealthy guy. For starters, yeah, you know, and, and, and he puts in big money, you know, I mean, Mike, he put in, you know, a million bucks, basically. That's what he puts in. And a lot of these races, and that's an enormous amount of money in like a local DA race, and it changes the dial. Thank you very much, Mike, for the call. Thank you. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Tony real quick, New Jersey. Tony, your thoughts. How you doing? I've been waiting a long time. Um, how about we put the DAs in jail? They're not following their state constitutions. And how about the victims of crime have like a a lawsuit against the DAs for that's, not doing their job? That's a great point. You know what's interesting, Tony, is that um, some people believe that Alvin Bragg in the Bodega case may have, you know, committed prosecutorial misconduct because he went after the guy, you know, Jose Alba, the Bodega owner, 
Now he's a worker, and now he's saying, well, I'm going to look into it and decide. You know, he's trying to appease these groups that are meeting with him. First of all, they're basically the way a DA works is you shouldn't charge them. You know, you shouldn't charge them unless you know you have a strong case. Real quick, Pete, on line eight. Pete, you got a few seconds. I wanted to make sure I got you in. Uh, uh, hi, uh, hi, Rita. Uh, my name's uh, uh, Pete from Brooklyn. Uh, I'm a, fr- a friend of Norm's, long time, forty years. Real quick, Pete. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I- I'm in Brooklyn, New York, and the crime is getting out of control. With- You're right. You know what? And it's out of control everywhere, and that's why we need strong DAs. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.